we were joking before about the three C's, COVID, cancer, and chemo. But when my doctor walked in and spoke to me and said, hey, Tim, the, the biopsies have come back and I've got bad news. It's stage four metastasized cancer, which means it's grown and affected other areas, got into the other, and they hadn't done all the scans yet. And my first response, Kyle, was, was I've trained for this. I've trained my entire life for this. I've prepared for this. And I told my doctor, I said, I said, I know what to do mentally. You show me what to do medically and let's go. Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Decker and myself, Calvin Blackman. Before we get to tonight's episode, do us a favor and check out our new website, www.theunderdogpodcast.com and be sure to sign up for our weekly underdog newsletter. Now, on to this week's episode. We had the chance to sit down with our friend Tim Kite, founder and CEO of Focus 3, which is a company that has helped individuals and organizations build better leaders for over 30 years. Now, while Tim has endured the three C's, COVID, cancer, and chemo in 2020, he's still dropping knowledge nuggets and sharing his life's work. And even though he gave me a hard time about being a Michigan fan, this one was still so good with our guy, Tim Kite. All right, Tim, thank you very much for taking time, you know, out of your busy schedule with everything going on and uh, joining myself and my partner, Kyle Decker here uh, on the Underdog Podcast. Calvin and, and Kyle, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for asking me to be on. Yeah, it's an it's definitely an honor to have you on. And uh, wanted to start off and first off, E plus R equals O. After reading above the line, Urban Meyer has impacted me personally in our business. So want to thank you, obviously, for bringing that to him. And for those that don't know, it's event plus response equals outcome. And uh, Tim is dealing with the biggest E of his life and most of our lives. If we were ever diagnosed with this, he was. Uh, had stage four uh, prostate cancer uh, diagnosis back in April and really wanted to talk, obviously that's the biggest E of your life. Um, how have you responded and used all of your knowledge and, and everything you've done in your career to address your current event? Well, obviously that's not a diagnosis anybody wants to receive. And, um, you know, particularly that's right when COVID was starting its severe shutdown. So, you know, the, the, to have a cancer diagnosis and start chemo. And then we were joking before about the three C's, COVID, cancer, and chemo. But when my doctor walked in and spoke to me and said, hey, Tim, the, the biopsies have come back and I've got bad news, it's stage four metastasized cancer, which means it's grown and affected other areas, got into the other, and they hadn't done all the scans yet. And my first response, Kyle, was, was I've trained for this. I've trained my entire life for this. I've prepared for this. And I told my doctor, I said, I said, I know what to do mentally. You show me what to do medically and let's go. And, and I said, in a way, it's a privilege to be chosen. Millions of people have gotten cancer. I'm not exempt. I've never felt that was exempt. And it's funny. One of the things that we teach in our factor is think ahead and prepare for adversity. When adversity strikes, you shouldn't be surprised. You should be prepared. And because when adversity strikes and you reach deep within you, to find the courage that you've put into your heart, you'll find what you built there. If you haven't built anything, you won't find anything. And what I felt was like, you know, here's a great opportunity where I get to practice my life's work in a very difficult, challenging, literally life-threatening situation. I get to practice my fundamental toolbox. 
So my, my, my perspective was I didn't like it. I didn't want it. My, my area of sadness, if, you, if there was one, was my grandkids. I got four grandchildren. Uh, they're ages six to nine months. That was the one area that kind of got to me emotionally. Because I thought, you know, I want to be around for them and all to say grandpa. And in fact, I want to be there for their high school graduation, stuff like that. And the initial diagnosis, that probably wasn't going to happen. And so that was the one area of sadness. But, 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 I, but nonetheless, you got to fight. You got to compete. And I love to compete. I hate to lose and I love to win. And in this, this is the fight of my life. And, and I saw it as such. Zero fear. Zero blame, complain, defend. No BCD. Let's just get going. And um, uh, good news is, by the way, I uh, finished the chemo about a month ago. Uh, all my scans have come back. And, and the doctor said the tumors have been reduced in size to about negligible. And they, were, they said they've never seen, in my condition, tumors be reduced this much through, this, through the, the, the um, treatment protocols. So I'm going to probably have surgery in January, and it looks really, really good. So we'll do this podcast again 20 years from now. Yes. yes. I'm, I'm fighting and winning this thing. Yeah, love it. Now, one thing you mentioned was prepare, and your life work, your life's work has been, you know, your preparation has been that practice, if you will. For someone who doesn't have your life's work, what is your recommendation in preparing for whatever that event is going to be when it's something as large as, you know, cancer or something that, you know, could be ultimately, you know, life changing or life, life, life threatening. Well, that's the reason we teach this. I mean, it's a workshop and, and, you know, I do keynotes around it. We do coaching around it. We train it. We train in schools. We train in businesses. We train in teams from high school all the way up to the professional level. And so the number one thing, Calvin, I would say is get trained in E plus R equals O. I mean, it, it's, and I, I love how Kyle, you said, you know, it's been effective in your life, impactful in your life. And I'd be interested in how you've used it, but it, 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 it's not just a quote. It is an actual framework with specific disciplines that have to be practiced and built into your life to be useful. I joke with people, you know, I, I talk about, I talk to Pfizer about an R factor, E plus R equals O injection or pill, but there isn't one. So the only way it's effective is if you practice it. And there are six disciplines, six actual competencies that go with it. And so my advice to somebody would be learn the six disciplines of E plus R equals O and how to build it in your life. So, so one of the disciplines is step up. That's number three. The first is press pause to gain clarity. The second is get your mind right to produce the right emotional state. The third is step up. And the purpose of stepping up is discipline action in response to whatever you're experiencing. One of the things you step up to is adversity. And we teach how to do that in the workshop. And we say, and the, and the Stoics have this, the Stoic philosophers have this philosophy, is think ahead to an adversity that might happen and prepare in your mind. What happens if, and minor, what happens if I get a flat tire? What am I going to do? Uh, what happens if I get locked out of my house? What happens if I lose my job? What happens if I get cancer? Think ahead and, and think through in your mind. What mindset would I have to have? What action would I need to take? Uh, what kind of emotional impulses do I need to be aware of and to defeat in my life? So prepare. And if you haven't thought those thoughts, if you haven't envisioned in your mind, it's a game plan, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, it's a game plan. And so that's, I, I've thought about this before. I, I use the toolbox. So when the doctor said, you get cancer, I, and anyone can do that. 
it takes zero IQ, by the way, no talent. All it requires is discipline, thinking and preparation. Yeah. And I think Tim, when you say that, um, your five essentials of leadership, number two is envision. And I think from my past experience of, I was a quarterback, not a good one. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there. But the, when I was in high school and I actually played, I didn't really, I said four string at Miami, long story, but nonetheless, when I played, even when I was backup, you know, I envisioned what the, you know, Hey, it's cover two. What am I going to do? So on and so forth, like roll in. And I think to your point, that's such a critical thing for all of us to, to walk through what that adversity moment. And so when we get there, like your point, it doesn't surprise me how well you're doing. Obviously you've had a body of work that you're probably one of the mentally toughest, strongest people that are out in this world. Doesn't surprise me, but that envision number two, you know, is so critical. And when I listened to some of your content on that, you know, the vision piece, I think it was so critical. So it's a great point for our listeners. Um, yeah, it's, it's mental reps, Kyle, right? Right. right? And mental reps. And I, I, I don't know if, if people have thought this through. I just got off a Zoom R-Factor training with a client just a few minutes ago. And all behavior is mental first and, and all action is mental first and behavioral second. Everything starts in the mind. You're not always aware of it, but that is how it works. Your response is internal and mental first and external and behavioral second. So if you want to be great on the outside, you've got to be great on the inside. You've got to win the inner battle. And I'm, I'm, I'm disheartened but energized by the mental fragility, by the emotional fragility of the American public. We are an emotionally fragile society. We don't deal well with differences. We don't deal well with different opinions. We don't deal with difficulty or hard things. We don't deal well with hard work. Um, and we are, and we are soft and we are given in to impulses that are counterproductive to everything that we want to do as a nation. And, and we've got to figure out how to become more mentally tough in, in a lot of fields, a lot of areas. So it's, it's really important that we learn this skill. Yeah, we're using a lot of BCD right now. That's for sure. <laughs> Blame. I mean, it's all over the place. It's, yeah. You know, BCD is, in some regards, you know, it's it's as bad as COVID, right? It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a um, it, it, it spreads like a virus. <laughs> right. It does. And we need to social distance from BCD. Wear a mask. Right. Don't pass it on to somebody else. And that's uh, that's really important. Yeah, and just to touch upon BCD. Cause I, I, I know it like the back of my hand, but it's blame someone that doesn't know blame, uh, complain or defend. Right. Yeah. And, and those are obviously things. If you think of blame, that's go, there's a lot of that going on right now. Complain, definitely a ton of that. And definitely defensive communication is it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I agree. The mental, uh, fragility of, of our, of our nation is just, we're, we're not utilizing a lot of the techniques that you, you teach and coach and, and implement yourself. Can I ask a question? Um, so as far as discipline, so Kyle and I, you know, former athletes, yourself, a former athlete, which we'll talk about. Um, Calvin, where'd you, where, where'd you play? What, what, uh... I played receiver. Wasn't very good either at Miami of Ohio. We were just two not very good guys who came <laughs> together and put a, put a podcast together. We yeah. should call it. Were, were, you, were you guys on the, the team at the same time? No. So I was there, um, 2000 and 2000 to 2004, I just dropped my pen. Um, and then Kyle came in directly, uh, just after I was done playing. Yeah. So, and so Kyle, you told me this, but where did you go to high school? Granville high school, home of the oh, blue that's aces. Right. That's right. Yep. There we go. And then Calvin, how about you? Where'd you go to high school? Uh, Shamanah Julian in Dayton, Ohio. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, right. 
Yeah. Ohio guys, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Sure Luke, are. Luke Fickle says the only good thing in Granville is golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't give any. Uh, yeah, he goes, that's not a football school. That's a golfing school. I'm like, uh, you know, you know, don't don't sleep on the Blue Aces. Maybe not as good as the CJ Eagles, but you know, come on, Mister Fickle, you did your thing. You did your thing. Uh, right. No. So my question is for you know for the average person who's you know a 35 year old busy family work life. You know, for us, at least for myself, discipline is a little, is still very, very difficult. But there's places where I can find discipline. Like, you know, in the gym, I'm pretty good with that. I probably struggle a little bit more with meals and different things. But for someone who's listening and is trying to figure out that discipline piece because life is, quote unquote, so busy. What is your recommendation for figuring out or, or, or understanding how to create that initial discipline, you know, where you're going to press pause and say, OK, these are the things I need to do but to really get on track in the very beginning. So just keep everybody on the, the same page here. We talk about two different ways of living your life, two different ways of responding to events and pursuing outcomes, discipline over default. So there's a line in life. Okay. And above the line is discipline behavior and below the, below the line is default. And the first thing, Calvin, would be step back and envision that just see the two things in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. See the discipline and see the default. And I love this. Because what happens visually, don't back up one second. You are constantly programming your mind with visual and verbal input. Whether you know it or not, you're constantly programming your mind and your brain with visual and verbal input. Unfortunately, for most people, it's kind of unconscious input, unconscious programming, because they're not thoughtful about it. They're not intentional and purposeful. So the first thing would be just adopt it discipline over default frame and then look at life through the lens of those two things and just step back for a second and say okay if i engage in this discipline behavior what outcome do i get or if i engage engage in this default behavior what do i get see it envision it and just recognize that if i engage in that default behavior i'm most likely to get thus and so if i engage in discipline behavior hmm That's probably going to get me more of what I want. Then understand those two, the differences between those two things. And so the the power of vision verbal is extremely strong. And then then learn the self-talk and talk to yourself and and say to yourself, all right, I'm going to do the discipline-driven thing here. I'm going to embrace the discomfort. I'm going to embrace what needs to happen here because I want to produce that outcome. So I think seeing it is a huge step in being able to envision the difference because of this, your choices will have consequences. I say this to people all the time. Think about consequences before you act because you're going to experience consequences after you act. Yeah, that's and a hard one for Calvin. For sure. Uh, well, for all of us, that's not unique. No, to it Calvin. is. It is. Yeah. And then here's another one. Don't equate the delay of consequences with the absence of them. Say that one more time. Don't equate the delay of consequences with the absence of them. Okay. Some consequences are delayed and you fool yourself into thinking, you know, I just did a default thing and I got away with it. Got away with it. Yeah. The answer is no, no, you didn't. The consequence is just hasn't arrived yet, but it's on its way. Now, That's one of the big lessons for children to learn. Right. Yeah. Now does that, <clears throat> does that tie into you know, elite performance versus average performance as well, because as I listen to you talk about that, you know, I know there's got, there's a lot more that goes into the difference in elite and, and average, but one of the initial things is 
that elite the performer has that discipline, obviously with a lot of other things and um, tools and things that'll go into it. But I just picture that elite performer, they have that discipline above the line. They step back and they visualize, do I need to go out and get these, you know, say thousand shots up, whether, or if I just go ahead and put 200 shots up, that was good enough for now, but then you're going to have that delayed, uh, I forget the first, the term you use, but you're going to have delayed more of the, consequence. the, delayed, the, the delayed, delayed consequences. Is that, does that kind of tie in there as well? Because I'd like to talk a lot oh, yeah. about elite versus average performance as well. Yep, absolutely. And and the 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 difference there is that the elite athlete is willing to do the necessary but uncomfortable things that the even the good athlete isn't willing to do. And the thing that I love about elite versus even really good is that elite becoming elite isn't about talent; it's about choice. I've seen a lot of good athletes perform at elite levels because they made choices that more talented athletes did not make. And this is all point back to your question, Calvin, is the discipline is the willingness to make those uncomfortable. I call it productive discomfort. The willingness to engage in productive discomfort. To I call it embracing it. Not tolerating discomfort, not accepting discomfort, but literally embracing it. And And, and that is, there's even neuroscience there because at the edge, we call that the edge. When you get to that spot where it really starts to get uncomfortable and you get to the edge of your current capabilities, that's when your real learning and training begins. I call the edge the place where talent stops and the choice begins. Talent stops and elite begins. And that's and, and I think it's so wonderful, so cool, that no talent required. That elite is it's just everyone can be elite. And I define elite as best version of you. It's you going to the next level. Now, if you if you have a really average athlete with a really uh, competing as a super highly talented athlete, even the edge for the average guy, he's not going to be like if I play basketball against some really good basketball. It's not. I mean, sorry, I can I can be at the edge all I want, but there are genetic limitations. I get that. But everyone is capable of going to the next level for themselves. And this is what I think. This is why I love teaching it. Every single person listening to this podcast is capable of going to the next level in their life. Everyone, but only if they make the choice. One thing I struggle with is, yeah, I'm only 39 years old, but in like true transparency, sometimes I say it's too late. But then I have to tell myself that's a mindset. That's something that I've told myself that it's too late. And I know it's not too late. You know, we're just getting started, but I look back, okay, my college career was 20 years ago. Not that I want to go back and play sports, but just whether it's going to be growing the podcast or business or whatever it may be, you know, fighting that demon in my mind that says, you know, is it too late? But in my mind, I know it's not, but I think there's probably other people who, who fight that same thought of, you know, when do I, it's too late for me to maybe turn that corner, if you will. Yeah, but too late for what, Calvin? You, you just, you put, I guess you put a roadblock in front of yourself of, you know what, I should have already have accomplished so much by this point. Got it, you, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? You read, you read, yeah, you read some Inc. magazine where a 28-year-old started a company <laughs> that's worth $3 billion. Right, so right. Here, you're, here you are, 39, and a Michigan fan. And I went, <laughs> I, I got to have no. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, obviously, you failed. But you know, yeah, you know, there's there's still hope. You know, I mean, I mean, first of all, first of all, I think I'm going to go back to what I said a moment ago. 
And that is that you are constantly programming your mind with input that's both visual and verbal. And if you say to yourself, hey, it's too late, or hey, it, it, that's verbal input. Mm-hmm. You're programming yourself. And don't program yourself with negative self-talk. Right. Don't tell yourself negative stories. And secondly, at what age is are you supposed to have achieved greatness, however you define it? Is it 29? Is it 39? Is it seven? What, what, at what age? I mean, I, I don't, that is totally arbitrary. And, and, it, and in my mind, I think humbly, in my opinion, I think purpose is more important than image and achievement. I think if you know who you are from your identity perspective, you know what your purpose is in life and your goals are aligned with your purpose and your core values and you're achieving those, that's greatness. Mm-hmm. I've met a lot of very wealthy people in my life who have achieved financial, uh, uh, the pinnacle and the mountaintop. And a lot of them aren't happy people. I mean, it, it's, it's not a matter of how much money. It's not a matter of how big your house is. It's not a matter of what kind of car you have. I guarantee you, when you stand in front of the judgment seat of God, he's not going to ask you for the square footage of your house. That's not the conversation that's going to go on. Right. Yeah, it's very true. And how have you, speaking of, of faith, you know, how have you, I, I know, you've used faith as a cornerstone throughout your journey. Can you touch upon that and obviously how critical it is at this moment even more so? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I gave my life to Christ back uh, in 1972 at UCLA, and uh, I've studied and taught and written about the Bible ever since. I, I currently teach or write a daily devotional that I write. I've been doing it for years. Uh, my faith is literally my foundation. It's everything. Um, so I, and I, I believe my, my success against cancer is God's grace. I know medical procedures has been a part of it, but in his sovereignty, he's, God has used that. I mean, when my doctor says we don't use the word miracle very often around our, our office, but it looks like you are one with this, with this, uh, uh, latest prognosis. So, you know, faith's critically important. And I, and I, I think that People need to step back and think through what their faith tradition is, by which I'm not going to impose mine on anybody else, but we need to rediscover those transcendent, spiritual, timeless truths that, that make life meaningful. I happen to approach it from a Christian worldview. That's me. Um, but we really need to discover that. But uh, I'm a daily Bible reader, daily. I pray constantly, and, and I, I have a deep, deep faith in God's grace. Yeah, well, I know you're devotional. My neighbor, I told her last night, and she goes, "I listen. I, I uh, I'm part of his daily devotional." And I said, "Oh, cool." Well, I'm talking to him tomorrow. <laughs> That's me. That was That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, we were at the bonfire next door doing s'mores, and she we were talking about you and how critical. Once again, in, you know, we talk about we're in the employment business about helping impact and change lives. You know, I think, you know, and and I believe that you're you're you might be saving lives and probably have with your content and, and be able to kind of, you know, bring uh, a sense of strategy and using faith and using strategies and using mechanisms to get people's mental ability mm-hmm. to operate is so critical, especially with the mental for, you know, for, we just talked about how this world is so fragile mentally. And I think that, you know, mental health is, is a big struggle and you're leading, you're one of the leaders of strengthening minds what else, in your opinion, moving forward? Because I think it's important for all of us to talk about. It's a, it's a real issue. It's a, one of the largest issues, if not the biggest, like you said, out there. What are all some mental 
strategies or overall thoughts on how you can just overall improve your mental health? I know that's a broad question. Yeah, but it goes back to what I was talking to Calvin about, and that is that we, we actually teach something called the mindset cycle, which is a simple breakdown of how the mind processes stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are four steps in the mindset cycle. Step number one is focus. Step number two is self-talk. Step number two is three is feelings. And step number four is action. And that is the cycle that your mind goes through as it processes anything in life. Driving your car, having a conversation with a friend, interfacing with your spouse or kids or a client or a customer, uh, lifting weights. I mean, anything. Your mind focuses, it self-talks, and then it feels, and then it acts. And, and here's another way to describe that. So focus is the visual. Self-talk is the verbal. Feelings is the emotional. And action is the behavioral. And that is the order in which your brain operates. Visual, verbal, emotional, behavioral. See, talk, feel, act. Now, here's, here's the trick. Normally, the brain engages in those steps in less than a nanosecond. It happens real fast. So mental health is stepping back and being aware of that process in yourself. It's called self-awareness. Uh, the, the specialists call it fancy name metacognition. But just step back and be aware of that process happening within you. What am I focusing on? What am I giving my attention to? Is my focus frame negative or positive? What am I saying to myself? What story am I telling? Is that story positive or negative? How am I programming myself through focus and self-talk? Because feelings, your emotional state, are fed by your focus and your self-talk. This is important. This is the heartbeat of mental health. Your feelings are not a direct reaction exclusively to the situation. Rather, your feelings are fed by your focus and self-talk. Pretty straightforward. If you focus on the negative and you talk to yourself negative, how will you feel? Not good. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to feel negative. Right. So if you change the story, you change the feeling. Yeah. And And then if you feel negative, if you feel negative, you're going to act negative. If you feel positive, you're going to act positive. So it's that cycle. Be aware of that cycle happening within you. Focus, self-talk, feeling, action. Now, one quick thought and get you guys' comments. you got to beware of getting trapped in a negative story. Because negative self-talk is quick, careless, and convincing. And you make, and, and how, how, much social, how much social support do we have today for negative self-talk? ton it's all it is it's everywhere it's everywhere yeah and so you you have to step back and choose what story you tell yourself what how you talk to yourself to produce productive emotion and that is the key you know to 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 mental health and if we're not taught that what people end up doing is medicating their minds rather than managing their minds and of course there is a role for medication i'm not suggesting for a moment that medication doesn't matter it does but it's not a replacement for emotional management. We have to learn the discipline steps to managing our mindset. Yeah. Now I want to go back to, because I thought I I just hear the name, you know, coach Wooden, John Wooden, and, you know, obviously one of the greatest of all time and the, the, your, um, your passion for this, for this life's work that you've taken on over the, you know, 30 or 30 years or more, um, you know, where did this, can you take us back and kind of talk about, you know, where 
you became so intrigued with the with with all of this and and in your experience with Coach Wooden out at UCLA. Yeah, it was really two things, Calvin. It was getting exposed to Coach Wooden. Really, three things. One, I was a track and field athlete at, at UCLA. First at Ohio State, then at UCLA. And I was fortunate enough in high school to be national champion in my track event. So I had experienced high levels of performance in high school and then got recruited and, and went to Ohio State, then transferred uh, after my first year. And when I got exposed to Coach Wooden, uh, he had, had already won eight national championships and was already mega famous. He was called the Wizard of Westwood. And, and he was called that because it looked like magic what he did. And I wanted to know what mechanics were making that happen because obviously it wasn't magic. How do you win 88 straight basketball games? How do you win eight national championships? And when I was there, he won two more. And that was the trigger. That was the genesis of what is the source of elite performance? How do you do that? How does he get that built into his team? How does he lead that way? How does he coach that way? What about the players? And then the, the other stimulating event for me was I read a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And Dr. Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist. We, we did a podcast on this a while ago. And Dr. Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist in Vienna, Austria, at the outbreak of World War II. And he and his pregnant wife and his entire family were incarcerated in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany and by the Nazis. And in that camp experience, Dr. Frankel wrote about his own emotional state. He wrote about prisoners. He wrote about the guards. He wrote about the capos who were the, who were the enabling uh, Jewish folks that helped the prison or helped the uh, guards. And he, he survived. He was the only one in his family who survived. And he wrote a book about his observation of himself and the prisoners called Man's Search for Meaning. And in the book, he said something on the lines of, they can take away my liberty, but they could never take away my freedom. And man's final freedom is the choice he makes by, about his attitude in response to any given situation in life. And I'm reading that book as a 19-year-old sophomore at UCLA. And it was so evident to me, I did not have that kind of strength. You know, 19, national champion. They're like, I, you know, think a pretty, pretty hot view of myself. I read this book. It drove me to my knees. It dwarfed me. Mm -hmm. I thought running the 440 hurdles was hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then I read about Dr. Frankel. So I began to probe and study and observe and ask Coach Wooden, more of Dr. Frankel and other resources. And I just couldn't get enough of where does this stuff come from? How does this happen in someone's life? And so I slowly but surely put together the toolbox that you know is E plus R equals L. That's awesome. I've, I've, I know I've heard that story before. I don't know if it was Coach Meyer that had mentioned it, but um, no, that's definitely impactful. And I know we, we wrote that down, so we'll have to put that in the in the notes for, for our listeners. And you said at the beginning, Tim, the, you know, how it's affected us and our, our company is simply, you know, we talked about, you know, response, but it wasn't in a specific order, like really just focusing on the simple equation E plus R equals O and how it helped us going back to your question earlier on was really, you know, in our business, we're a staffing and employment and we hit a lot of adversity like everybody, you know, and, um, we had read as a company above the line. Um, and you know, before that, 
and kind of started your guys' body of work before this all happened, before COVID hit. And we used that formula, really talked about the R factor and really focused on, on that and, and said, we can control our response in, you know, how we address COVID every day, whoever addresses it the best way with the best response is going to have the most positive outcome. And I can tell you that unified our whole organization. We got about 110 employees and I can tell you what, we have shirts that say E plus R equals O actually Tiffany who's on the call here, made them. And, uh, you know, we have our company logo and on the back real big is as big as we could do. It was E plus R equals O just because I think the response to that. And so I think that, you know, like I said, you impacted our organization. I know you've impacted millions of people, but you know, our organization, it really was critical, the timing and how we focused on the response, you know, for that, I'm very thankful. So here, and that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that. So have you found E plus R equals O equally as, uh, effective at home as you have in your work life? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. It's a body of work. Um, but yes, I have, I would say, you know, I have two boys, uh, one just turned five and, 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 uh, two year old. And, um, you know, I would say, absolutely. I teach, you know, how I impact that in, in multiple ways. I, I probably first focused on business. I'll be honest, truly transparent. And then now, you know, I've really focused on, you know, events that have happened in my family and how I respond. I, I do talk about that. Even my wife asked as we were doing at work, I, I've told her the formula. And so we talk about it and that's stuff we'd never talked about before. Right. So it, it has helped me in my personal life as well. Well, I, when I do a keynote, I, I always ask the group after I get introduced to E plus R equals O in the six disciplines, I say, it doesn't matter where in the world, by the way, that I ask this question or what industry I say, where do you tend to manage your R factor better and work or at home? And 99% of the people raise their hand and say, at work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And then, so I ask the question, why are you giving your families your R-factor leftovers? That's a great <laughs> challenge. Yeah. You, I, you, get some interest, you get some interesting response. One guy said one time, well, you can't get fired at home. The guy next to him said, well, actually, I've been fired twice. <laughs> but, Shoot. Mic drop. It, with that, as you said, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But but it's 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 not just a job skill system; it's a life skill system. And I think one of the greatest gifts you can give to your kids and your your two year old probably too young, but you said five year old, six year old. Yep, yeah, five year old. Uh, kindergarten, kindergarten or preschool? Uh, preschool. He, he's old enough to learn E plus R equals up. Yeah, you're right. There's no question about it. And then you know you have conversations with your spouse, and um, and that that that's it, it's one of the most important things you can teach children early on, because mm -hmm. the sooner they get it, the sooner they can start work and start noticing the patterns of events. And again, envision a discipline R versus a default R, and the different outcomes that they produce. And the child starts thinking that way. You're and and it's a wonderful time because their brains are forming, their their neural pathways are beginning to develop. They're developing synaptic connections. They're programming their brain. And how cool would it be to program them with E plus R equals O early in life and see life through that lens? Yeah. Because there's a lot of 30 plus year olds, 40 plus year olds. In fact, when I teach this so often, some 52 year old guy will come to me and say, I wish I learned this when I was in high school. Yeah, they should teach in high school. To be honest with you, I wish I would have learned it before I was well, they, 35 years old. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. you know? We're teaching, we're, we're in about 100 schools around the United States right now. Look, look down to Lakota does it. Um, Mason does it. Madeira, right? Madeira does it. Yep, that's yeah, right. Madeira. 
Yep. yep. I'm three minutes from Lakota West. Yeah. It's a great program. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it is, it is, uh, it's wonderful to know that you guys have used it in the business. And, um, I would encourage you to be as equally disciplined and, and, uh, consistent at home. I love it. I love it. Don't take the leftovers home. Let's put, we end each podcast, Tim, on a rapid fire. I don't think we have too many hot ones here for you, but uh, we got a couple here for you. So uh, Calvin, why don't you kick it off? This one, I don't know if this one's going to be too rapid. You may have to think on it or you may know off the top of your head, but who are five people you would want at your dinner table? Five people at my dinner table. Wow. Well, for sure, with Dr. Franco would be one. Uh, second would be um, John Wooden. I'd bring him back and have him at my dinner table. A third would probably be Winston Churchill. A fourth would be Leonidas, the king of Sparta, who led the 300 Spartans at the Pass of Thermopylae. And the fifth one would be all my grandkids. Oh, I like it. I like it. That's a so tough that's, question, that's and he just than, aced that. That's impressive. Because I want my grandkids to experience all those people. Absolutely. So. We have plenty of room for them. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be one heck of a dinner table. What would, would you be? Eat, what would you want to eat? Well, my wife would be doing the cooking. Okay. And she is a world-class cook. And um, probably of all the things she cooks that night, I'm going to extend this. It would be enchiladas. Because she cooks a phenomenal enchilada dinner. And we've had some Dos Equis also along with enchiladas. <laughs> then in the morning, it'd be enchilada eggs because she cooks this wonderful leftover enchilada eggs. And I always invite people over who had dinner with us. So I would invite Leonidas and, and Coach Wooden and Dr. Frankel and, 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 and Winston Churchill, my grandkids. And we'd actually have breakfast together the next day <laughs> for enchilada eggs. Keep it going. And I'd have, I'd have two meals with them. How about that? I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's great. You never know where the question is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see here. Why track and field? We we were just curious. Um, always, you know, from an early early age, you just were intrigued with running, or you just obviously had a great physical ability to do it. I was just born fast. Yeah. Um, I played football. I played football also. Football was my favorite sport. Um, but I was just really fast, and I'd like to tell you that. I was slow, but through effort and discipline, I became fast. Uh, you were just fast. I was born with speed. I was just born with speed. I, I did teach myself to hurdle, um, but um, I just, I, I was the, in ninth grade, we had time trials in ninth grade. I won every race except the two mile and got bumped up to varsity. And when I was in ninth grade, I was the lead varsity hurdler as a ninth grader. And again, again that wasn't because of anything other than pure genetics. Yeah. God, God so, bless your souls that can run. I, I joined Orange Theory. By the way, I just started, you know, Tiffany and her marketing team, Sarah, just joined us and she came from the OTF family, they call it. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm just not a, I, I, but I'm mentally, you know, being positive, but I'm telling you this body, I got to get it back in shape because the running ain't too good for, we know that well, <laughs> over here. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I appreciate that, but at 67 coming off six months of chemo, I don't have my sympathy for you. I've got so much work to do out of me. I mean, <laughs> It just, chemo just takes it out of you, man. Yeah. It just absolutely, I mean, and I have some training. I mean, I'm doing my thing and I got a you know, got pretty good gym here at home because I'm not going to the gym because I don't want to get exposed to stuff. But, you know, I got the stationary bike. I got the rowing machine. I got bands. I've got free weights. I got all kinds of stuff. And it's just, I mean, 
talk about the edge and productive discomfort. It is so chat, but it's good. It's it's good, but it is hard. But you, to get back. I mean, but let's I, give I give yourself some credit. I mean, you. I said it before the podcast. You look good, man. The energy is fantastic. Like I said, I know it's been a few weeks since then, but you look good. Your energy is fantastic. I know you told me. You know, when we called a couple of weeks ago, you're working just as much, if not more, than you have bef- before. So, well, let's put, I mean, that's, let's, that's incredible. Let's put some respect on. You said you ran the 400 hurdles? Yes, sir. 440 hurdles. Yeah. 440 hurdles. So I ran the 400, and that's, to my, in my opinion, the hardest sprint there is. And then you put something you have to jump over on top of that. Ten of them. Ten of them. <laughs> Ten of them. Here we go. Here we go. Let's have fun. Let's do a man thing. What was your best 400 time? 49.8. Okay. My best 440 hurdle time was 50.2. Oh, my God. <laughs> Smoked you. <laughs> now, I did, I, did, I did run the mile relay. I did run the, the, the 440. My best 440 split time was 47.1. Yeah, no, my, my split was, uh, I might have been 49... I think five, it was right around the same, but I was just so happy that I had broke. Cause I only ran my senior year and I did it because I was going to college. So I was happy. I broke sub 50, you know, you, you break 50, you break 50 in high school and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Then I know my- you break 50 in high school. And you were, you were good. So Thank Kyle, you. Kyle, they time they time Kyle with a calendar <laughs> Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> Oh, who invited this guy on the show? I don't know. I don't know. That was a mistake. You got one. More? So I got. I got. I got to kind of. Yeah, I got a good one here. Um, there's a common thread with, with Tim and some of our guests. I know he works with uh, Coach Fickle, Freeman, and and Coach Meyer. Obviously, do a lot of work together. What is a common theme between those three? I know you work with a lot of leaders, but take those three. What would be something between Fickle, Freeman, and, and Coach Meyer? Well, I'd say two things. Um, why not three things? Three things. Relationships, competitiveness, attention to detail. Makes sense. That they all they all understand the, the necessity of trust. That level of connection drives level of commitment. So they are very relational guys and they work at it. I and mean, it's not just a you know, they're they're intentionally relational, okay? And both recruiting and developing staff and working with players, number one. You know, they're all about team. Number two, they're really competitive. They, again, just they love to win. They love to work to win. You know, it's not just they love to win. They love to do the work that leads to winning, which is that third thing is an attention to detail. They work the process. So I, I would say those three all have that, have that, th- those characteristics in common. I love that. That's that's all the questions I had outside of I guess how do we turn this guy away from Michigan? I, I mean, maybe we don't. I don't. I don't know. It's I don't, slowly I don't. happening. Don't worry. <laughs> well, how did, how did how, Calvin? How did you how did you come to have Team Up North as your as your favorite team? So, in all honesty, in fifth grade, uh, I went to a Michigan game with the with with the friends' family. Um, they were a Michigan family, and you, you don't know any difference in fifth grade. I don't know how old you are, but you know, I just remember coming back in the next couple of weeks. I that was what I was drawn to, to to watch, and it was probably around seventh or eighth grade. My friend's dad, another friend, I go to their house for the Ohio State Michigan game, and I walk in with Michigan on, and everybody had Ohio State on, and I realized then, like, oh, like I'm the odd guy here, and from there, you know, it, I've gotten bullied ever since. So, uh, you know, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> 
But I mean, it, it's Dayton, and then you went to Chaminade Julienne, and 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 I had a lot of friends that played at Ohio State too. So it's not like they it's like Ohio know. State everywhere. It's just yeah, you were just. Different. I suppose in, in some regards, uh, it speaks it speaks to your independence and your your mental strength and your willingness to do very foolish. I mean, to be, do very <laughs> uh, effective, you know, iconoclastic things. So much much respect for you, Calvin, on that. Holding, yeah. holding firm in the midst of enemy territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's confused, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah. I said I, sh- I even said the M word. I shouldn't even said that. That I, yeah, the team up north. I, that's my fault. Sorry, sorry, Buckeye fans, for that that disrespect. But I, uh, I think I said it once or twice today. But it's really team up north. Yeah, there you go. Team up north. Well, we. Um, what is the last thing? How, how do people engage? Uh, I know your website and then Focus Three. Can you uh, leave our listeners with any uh, ability to to connect, to connect with you? Sure. I'm, I'm on social media, Twitter, uh, at Timothy Kite, K-I-G-H-T. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Timothy Kite, K-I-G-H-T. So two very, um, I'm constantly on there posting content. And then our website is focus3.com, and that's the number three. And we're doing a whole lot of cool stuff on the website, even more stuff coming up in 2021. Uh, we're going to be offering a lot of online training, virtual training, self-directed as well as online training which in fact, you guys company should think about that. Just ways to get this content into as many lives as possible with the least amount of cost, but highest degree of impact. So uh, visit our website, follow me on social media and uh, the podcast that Urban and I do together, Focus 3 Podcast on all your podcast channels. In fact, we're going to be, you know, with a cancer and chemo and, and, and COVID, we kind of backed off a lot of stuff, but uh, this Thursday, we're starting starting back up again. We're going to be recording a lot more podcasts going forward. So that's about to get to get renewed. And it's a great podcast. Yeah. It is fantastic. I mean, I just love it. I've listened to a bunch of episodes, and you guys do one heck of a job and great content. So much to take away. It's my one of my favorites. Uh, one of our mentors is Ryan Hawk and the Learning Leader. Outside of that, great. Focus Three. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he's he's really helped us out, and and I know me and Tiffany were talking talking about you know you know, we'll probably be reaching out to you and your team and engaging for sure. And, and we, you know, once again, it's an honor to have you on, you know, we've, we've really feel blessed to have you share with our listeners, everything you're doing and, and we're rooting for you for sure. And you're doing great. And, and we uh, wish you nothing but the best and we can't wait to continue to grow our relationship and, and uh, the best is ahead. So we look forward to great. it. Thanks, Kyle, and thanks, Calvin. I appreciate it. All right, Tim. And, and, and last thing, we're going to put you on the calendar 20 years. We're going to send a calendar invite. And my, yeah. my partner, yeah, it's K-I-G-H-T, and he put a K-N in there. So that's that's on him over here. He's confused Michigan fan, you know, misspelled your last name. So I... It's all right. It's, all right. it's okay, Calvin. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. God love him. And I, I love how you use the, I love how you use the calendar reference because... Uh, we know you'll still be running in twenty years. Oh <laughs> man, we're all yeah, we got a trio. Of boom. Boom. Well, thank you, appreciate it. All right, Tim, thank you. Yeah, have a good one. All right, all right, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps, and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free T-shirt. See you next week on the U. D. Peace.